Hello and welcome back to episode 16 here of the Sierra Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Sorry about the almost incorrect saying of the word circling. My name is Charles Hamaker, your host as always, and uh, we have an interesting addition to the uh, list of teams that we cover here. Uh, the Seattle Dragons may potentially be back with the purchase of the XFL, and we will get to that a little bit later in the episode, but otherwise, let's get right into it. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Starting off with our Seattle Seahawks, as usual, the NFL has had 56 NFL players test positive for the COVID-19 virus. The Seahawks have, as of right now, zero positive tests. Players and coaches have been tested every day for the first two weeks of training camp as part of the deal with the NFL Players Association. Determination of how often the testing will continue to take place will be determined after that two-week period ends. Now, I said positive, tested positive, due to the fact that this Sunday afternoon, uh, John Ursua was placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 uh, list, reserve list, uh, which means that uh, Ursua potentially has the virus, has a positive test, or was in contact with somebody who tested positive for the virus. So he is just in a position where he cannot be with the team or at the facility at this time. He has to quarantine um, until he has several negative tests. The only uh, player that has opted out of the NFL season from the Seattle Seahawks is offensive lineman Chance Warmack, a recent addition this offseason. Interesting news here for cornerback Quentin Dunbar. He has not been uh, prosecuted for an alleged robbery that he was involved in uh, with Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker this offseason. DeAndre Baker from the Giants was charged with four counts of armed robbery with a firearm uh, which will give him a minimum 10-year uh, sentence if he is convicted. Dunbar was not convicted due to insufficient evidence and is still uh, not still anymore. Uh, he was actually taken off the commissioner's exempt list, which means that he can join the team for training camp and he is allowed to be back with the team. But there could potentially still be a suspension for Dunbar due to the fact uh, that Last season, defensive tackle Jerron Reed uh, was accused of uh, a legal issue, was not convicted, but was still suspended the six games. So there still could be some issues, uh, but for right now, things are looking pretty good for the Seahawks cornerback. Um, but other than that, right now, yes, he's still looking good, but there could be a potential suspension for him. Next in potential free agents, uh, looking at signing Everson Griffin or Clay Matthews are the, is the team. Uh, they're also linked to defensive tackles Marcel Darius and uh, Damon Harrison from the Giants. The Jets, pardon me. These are some additions that obviously could help bolster the defensive line. The team has been looking at defensive linemen, as you know, adding Benson Miawa and Bruce Irvin for depth and experience. But the addition of... One or two of these guys uh, from Griffin, Clay Matthews, Marcel Darius, or Damon Harrison could really add a veteran presence and a solid solid production uh, from one of those veterans. The team has approximately $19.45 million in cap space, which could be enough to sign Jadavian Clowney, but it seems the team has quote-unquote moved on, and I say that, but at the same time, nobody really seems to have any 
surefire news on Mr. Clowney at this point in time. It's kind of been a wait-and-see game with him. So I would not hold deal a, a deal with Clowney out of the picture for now. A move could be made, quote-unquote, pretty quick in terms of Griffin and or Clay Matthews. Uh, Everson Griffin made the Pro Bowl last season with eight sacks, 24 quarterback hits, and 11 tackles for loss. Matthews had eight sacks last season in his only year with the Los Angeles Rams after being with the Packers. Griffin has been with the Minnesota Vikings for the entirety of his career. While Clay Matthews is older, uh, he does not provide as much reduction as Griffin. Griffin can slide along the defensive line from outside or toward the, from outside to the inside. Uh, the door is, like I said, the door is not completely closed onto Davion. Uh, but at this point in time, it seems the league, the team is sort of taking looks at other prospects when it comes to free agents. The addition of a prime veteran really could help this younger group uh, from the guys that are bringing in from the draft class to a guy like Rasheem Green, as well as LJ Collier. Uh, in training camp news, fans will be able to watch portions of the f- of 15 different training camp sessions on both Q13, Q13 Fox Local News and Seahawks.com. Uh, they will usually take place from 1 to 2 p.m. or 2 to 3 p.m. In the secondary, uh, you know, barring any continued suspension from the league in terms of Dunbar, uh, the Seahawks starting secondary will now look as follows with Jamal Adams, at strong safety, Quandre Diggs at free safety, Shaquille Griffin at corner, and Quentin Dunbar at corner with the depth uh, going as Trey Flowers at corner, Marquise Blair at safety, and Ugo, Ugo Amadi. Uh, I mean, when you see those three guys at depth, it's 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 really something that could be seen as a luxury. When the team uh, went to the Super Bowl and won it, uh, the team had good depth, you know, in, in just about everywhere. So to have that depth in the secondary is really good to see, and you could – really easily move Marquise Blair or Ugo Amadi anywhere, you know, in nickel or uh, Blair is said to be sort of looked at potentially for blitzing packages. So that's something to look out for. Uh, the team did pick up another de- defensive back on the term on the, uh, while we're talking about defensive backs, the team claimed defensive back DJ Reed off of waivers from the Santa Clara 49ers. He did suffer a torn pectoral earlier in the summer and he is not expected to be ready for play in anytime soon. But he is a key addition. He played 31 games in the last two seasons and had a 74 overall grade from Pro Football Focus, which, you know, if you're not quite aware with their ranking system, it's pretty good for a guy, you know, who didn't play as a starting corner. Uh, the team did re-sign Brendan Jackson after releasing him earlier in the offseason, and that is about it for the Seahawks. Like I said, uh... I would not close the door yet on Jadavion Clowney. Obviously, I'd like to have him back, but he, you know, he's he has the option here to sort of do what he wants, considering you know his play and how he's been able to disrupt uh, the line of scrimmage outside of sacks, making sacks. So you know he's he's he can do what he wants, but I would not hold the door out or hold. Uh, I wouldn't close the door on him essentially. Uh, but the addition of Everson Griffin uh, could definitely be interesting. Uh, Clay Matthews, I'm not too hot on just because, you know, I feel like he's getting up there in age and he might not produce as well, but obviously, you know, eight sacks last year isn't bad at all. But, you know, it, it is exciting to see Quentin Dunbar uh, taking off that exempt list and not being charged. Um, it is unfortunate about DeAndre Baker, but, you know, uh, 
we're on. We're, this is a Seattle sports news podcast, so we focus on that. But like I said, it, it is unfortunate to hear about that, and you know, hope things go well there. Next up in Seattle Mariners news, here's a game week recap of the games that the team played over this homestand. On Monday, they lost eleven to one to the Athletics. Kyle Lewis had, uh, his hit streak was snapped at ten games. On Tuesday, the team lost five to three to the Angels. On Wednesday, they won seven to six versus the Angels. Kyle Seeger had his two hundredth home run in that game. On Thursday, the team lost six to one to the Angels. Uh, Daniel Vogelbeck hit his first home run of the year, which is good to see because he has been struggling a little bit uh, in terms of his batting. On Friday, the team lost eight to four to the Colorado Rockies. On Saturday, they lost five to zero to the Rockies, uh, being one hit. J.P. Crawford, the leadoff man, being the only hit in that game. Uh, and today on Sunday, the team won five to three versus the Rockies. Uh, Kyle Lewis has now hit f- safely in fourteen of the sixteen games that he's played in twenty twenty here. And Justice Sheffield got his first MLB win. Uh, it's good to see for the young man there. I say young man, even though he's older than me. Uh, in other team news, Kendall Graveman remains out with a neck injury. The team is not quite sure what specific injury it is. Uh, just they know it's concerning his neck, so they're being cautious uh, as to not, you know, obviously aggravate that, with, you know, neck injury. Pretty serious. Uh, the team is second in baseball and stolen bases. Obviously, you got a young team that, you know, wants to get out there and play out there and play. So, you know, you should expect stolen bases and I wouldn't expect them to slow down anytime soon in terms of stolen bases. Uh, and while Evan White, uh, the young rookie at first base is struggling on offense uh, in terms of hitting, he has been a bright star on defense, making, you know, highlight plays uh, consistently throughout the year. So it's good to see him uh, out there. Obviously, you know, he provides a little bit more uh, in terms of defense than uh, Mr. Vogelback, but he has been struggling a little bit in the hitting department. Uh, but, I mean, when you jump straight from double-A ball up to the majors, it, I'd expect a little bit of uh, some issues there. But, you know, it's – it's even though it's a 60-game season, season, it is still a long season. So I would I would put too much uh, issue on that. And, uh, and while the team has lost, and uh, I saw a funny comparison from lookoutlanding.com, well, not a comparison, but they they said that the uh, when the Mariners go to the bullpen, it's like playing roulette. You you don't you don't know what you're gonna get. Uh, the bullpen has had its struggles, but that's to come when you're rebuilding. Uh, the team, you know, it's young, it's athletic. Uh, it's it, it's been fun to see. You know, Kyle Lewis, Dylan Moore, uh, J.P. Crawford, uh, obviously Justice Sheffield getting his first win MLB win today. Um, you know, Evan White, there, there's some spots here that are looking good. So it's, uh, I know it's a rebuild and we're going to lose some games. Some people had to come to grips with that. You know, we're not, not exactly going to push for the playoffs this year. I don't know how many times I need to say it, but this is a rebuilding year for the last like year and a half. This, this seems to be rebuilding. If you think that we've been rebuilding since 2001, why would a team that's rebuilding sign a guy like Nelson Cruz? you know, sign a guy like Robinson Cano, why would the team acquire these guys if we're in a rebuild? It just doesn't make sense. So that's all I'll say. Um, But like I said, it'll be difficult for a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, a rebuild is set so that you can compete once that rebuild is finished. So go Mariners.
heading to the WNBA bubble in the Seattle Storm. The team won versus the Connecticut Sun 87-74 over the week. Uh, Brianna Stewart posted 22 uh, points, 5 rebounds, 5 blocks. Jordan Canada uh, in filling in for Sue Bird again, who is not playing due to a left knee injury. Uh, posted 14 points and 6 assists. Sammy Whitcomb had 15 points off the bench. Uh, the team won versus the Atlanta Dream 93-92, with the Dream slowly sneaking into the Storm's lead at the end of the game, but the Storm holding them off. Uh, Brianna Stewart had 27 points, 8 rebounds. Drew Lloyd had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Sue Bird also did not play in this game. Uh, and then finally, yesterday on, on Saturday, the team won versus the Phoenix Mercury 74-68. to Drew Lloyd putting up 20 points. Brianna Stewart, 15 points, 8 rebounds, and Subert did not play in this game. So obviously, uh, Subert's dealing with that left knee injury, probably just you know sitting out due to rest, holding it out, not trying to aggravate it. The team's next games come in the bubble versus, on Monday versus uh, Sh- Chicago, Wednesday versus Atlanta, Friday versus Dallas, August 16th versus Connecticut again, August 18th versus New York, um, rematch of the uh, season opener, August 20th versus Indiana, and then August 22nd versus Las Vegas. All of these games are played within one day of rest. Uh, to go into stats for the team, Brianna Stewart is fourth in the league in points per game and steals per game, while fifth in blocks. Jordan Canada is fifth in assists per game, and the team is number one in league standings. I just wanted to take a moment um, and say that Jordan Canada has been playing really solid ball uh, while Subert is out, uh, you know, well, she's, she's done a great job filling in, uh, Brianna Stewart again, looks like sort of her MVP self. Um, and outside of the, you know, outside of the one loss, this team has played pretty well. I feel like that one loss might've just been a lapse. Um, you know, but other than that, the team has only lost one game. The only other team two have lost uh, one game and won the rest of their games is Minnesota. And the one loss that Minnesota has came to Seattle. So, you know, obviously playing in the bubble is a different environment. Uh, you know, it might be difficult for some teams, but Seattle seems to be their normal self. And with everybody healthy, should be a force to reckon with. Again, it's just interesting to monitor the uh, the status of Sue Bird uh, and dealing with that knee injury. Hopefully, you know, all goes well and she's taking rest while she can. Hopping over into Seattle Sounders news, there are have there's no game news to report. But there is news about upcoming games. The MLS announced that it will resume the 2020 regular season on Wednesday with these matches taking place in their home markets once the MLS's back tournament concludes. The clubs will play an additional 18 regular season games uh, in addition to that tournament, although Dallas uh, and Nashville will have to add three games between each other, uh, I mean head-to-head, in order to make up for the games that they missed. Both teams missed due to the fact that they uh, backed out of the tournament due to positive COVID-19 tests. The league is talking with the three Canadian clubs uh, that they have due to travel restrictions between the U.S. and Canada about figuring out what to do when the regular season resumes. The league announced that it will expand the playoff field from 14 teams to 18 teams. The postseason itself is scheduled for November 20th through December 12th. Uh, That postseason dating should allow the MLS season in 2021 to start up around February or March, uh, barring that everything goes well. The league also said that the majority of matches will be played without fans in attendance and that the MLS club leadership, as well as uh, 
the local health officials and government officials will continuously be continuously, pardon me, be talking in order to plan for limited capacity attendance where it is allowed. That is, you know, sort of up in the air at this point in time. Um, in relation to something that I'll bring up a little bit later in college news, uh, with the developments that have happened there, uh, it's it might not be a good idea um, to have the teams play again in home markets or to potentially bring back fans later in the season just because, you know, it's it's uncertain what's going to happen with this virus, the long-term effects of this virus, and how the landscape of the United States is changing um, with, you know, every, every week it seems. Um, so I feel like, you know, if you can stay in the bubble and you can have the games in the bubble, it'd probably be best to stay there like the NBA and the WNBA have been doing. But, you know, it's uh, it's really up to – it's kind of – a, uh, like a discipline thing, not going out and doing things you're not supposed to, you know, staying in the bubble and doing, you know, just, just kind of following the rules. So that's, that's something that that's just my personal take, but I wanted to, I want to sort of differ, differ um, from just uh, given the weekly updates. I want to put more of my voice in there because I don't want to be too boring, boring, pardon me. Uh, the reason I haven't mentioned the giveaway is just because I didn't get much, uh, I didn't get much reach on the last episode. Didn't get as uh, much interaction as I'd hoped. Um, so I might bring back that later, but I do have a couple people that I will be reaching out to about it. So if you're here at this point in time, I will, uh, shoot you a direct message. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I was thinking a lot about this last night. I, uh, there's a lot of things that I want to add to this and I do have plans for things coming forward. Um, but you know, it's, uh, if you have suggestions for what would make this more interesting or what you'd like to see, please do let me know. Cause at the end of the day, I do this for other sports fans. I'm not doing this for money. I do this, you know, to get my voice out there one and to provide content, not only during a pandemic, but just to sports fans in general. So sliding over, uh, to Seattle Kraken news, the team hired Everett Fitzhugh to become the NFL's, uh, pardon me, NHL's first black team broadcaster, uh, which they announced on Friday. Fitzhugh is the first black team broadcaster to be hired by an NHL franchise. He has previously spent the last five seasons with the Cincinnati Cyclones of the ECHL as the director of media relations and broadcasting. He was the play-by-play director uh, broadcaster for the team. Seattle CEO Todd Lewicki said that Fitzhugh came highly recommended by who the team consulted when it came to this issue of the broadcaster. So uh, it's uh, certainly interesting to see this, how this all unfolds, obviously. So, you know, you have to hire someone to be the broadcaster. So it's interesting to see these things take place and how things move forward and uh, who they hire. Because, you know, at the end of the day, these people will be here, you know, to help start this team off. So it's still exciting. I still have a lot to learn about hockey. Um, but it's uh, exciting not only because I feel like the, the franchise has done really well starting off uh, with the name and the branding. Um, but, I mean, I'm, even to the, the arena, uh, what, they've, what they're working with um, and how the, you know, how they aim to have no emissions there. And it's, it's just, uh, I feel like they're doing a good job to start. So it'll be interesting to see what it'll be fun to 
follow everything as we move forward here. Um, and Washington Husky news as a whole, uh, there's not much news to report outside of football. Uh, the Power Five conferences are talking about no fall football. The commissioners of the Power Five conferences uh, today on Sunday held a, an emergency meeting as uh, there have been emerging concern among athletics officials as well as players about the upcoming season as well as fall sports due to the fact that they may not be able to be played due to the pandemic. No decisions were made as of right now, but there has been meetings and they're trying to talk about what to do in the event of canceling or postponing fall sports. Several sources indicated that Big Ten presidents are ready to pull the plug on the season of fall sports. Uh, so it's interesting to see from the other Power Five conferences, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, and obviously the Pac-12, what will do, uh, what they'll do. Obviously, I feel like if you get a couple of these conferences to back out, then I feel like the whole whole season will have to be you know ended. Uh, at this point in time, it's not looking good. Like I said earlier, with the NFL prior to the deal being made uh, with the NFLPA, uh, college football had a while to figure out what they were going to do. And when it came, when it comes to the pandemic, and what they would do, you know, with their with college college sports as crown jewel in college football, you f- you think you'd figure something out, but obviously that hasn't happened. Um. And as of right now, it's not looking good for the college football season as well as the fall sports season. Uh, so it, it's a little disappointing to see that there's not not been much done about it and there's been a panic now. But you know, at the end of the day, this is just the fault of those who let the pandemic spread. Uh, you can't blame anyone in the college sports world, uh, technically. Uh, you can blame them, though, for not you know, doing a better job at planning. You think you'd prepare a little bit more. So that's that. There hasn't been much uh, in terms of basketball news or baseball news. Everything just kind of seems to be on hold for now. Uh, and it, it, I mean, it really depends on everything going forward because, like I said earlier, it really everything changes, it seems, from week to week. This is my, this might be my favorite part of the episode here. The Seattle Dragons might have new life. My, my poor, my poor XFL franchise that, you know, seemed to be gone when the team folded. Uh, or filed for bankruptcy uh, earlier in the year. The XFL was sold by Vince McMahon uh, to a group that included former Miami Hurricane football uh, player and former WWE superstar Dwayne Johnson. The Rock is part of a group that includes Danny Garcia as well as Redbird Capital Partners. The group plans for a uh, 2021 launch. You know, uh, that's all we know at this point in time. They are working uh, with current uh, members of the team in the XFL to work out details, but they do plan for a 2021 launch. Um, I have seen reports that uh, the, suggesting that the league should try to have a fall season in a bubble due to the fact that they have a limited number of teams, and that would be interesting. But you know, when you just bought a league, sports league, in the middle of a pandemic, I wouldn't you know rush things. Um, but the way I've always seen the XFL is if you can find a way to sort of be like a G league or a minor league to the NFL, cause you're not going to beat the NFL outright. It would be extremely difficult and it would probably take a while to beat the NFL in terms of viewership and revenue. I just, I, I feel like that'd be really difficult. Um, 
but I feel like if you could be a second option or like a pathway to the NFL, you know, say an alternative option to college football, you know, obviously with the Pac-12 players uh, coming out with their sort of protest, uh, this might open the door, you know, to put put pressure on the NCAA to give the players compensation for the revenue that they bring into their schools and the NCAA as a whole. Um, or, you know, an after-college step to get more ready for the league. I feel like that could really put a big impact. Uh, Dwayne Johnson sort of said that, you know, since he didn't get to live his pro football dream, he wanted to help others live their pro football dreams. Um which is just really cool, you know, the Dwayne Johnson, you know, from college football, you know, to trying to go pro to the WWE to Hollywood, you know, he's he's sort of had his story and to get to be part of a group that has purchased the league, it's uh, it, it's really cool to see. Um obviously a little earlier uh, in the podcast if any of you remember, uh I was pretty psyched about having the Dragons around. I was able to go to a couple games. No, one game, and I watched the rest of the games on TV. Um, it was it it was sad because I remember earlier earlier in the year, the last month actually, I uh, I was at a Dick's Sporting Goods and they had all this dragon stuff on sale, and I said, "Hell, I'll buy a hoodie." You know, good memories. Um, and you know, to see them now, to see the XFL purchase is great to see. Uh, it's not clear if they're going to make any moves in terms of teams, but obviously I'd hope that Seattle still has their team. Um, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see. So, you know, to to have to cover the Seahawks, the Mariners, the Sounders, the Storm, the Kraken, uh, Huskies, Athletics, and the Dragons again would be great. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to keep track of, but I mean, sports sports have been such a huge part of my life for so long. So, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm re- I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but I feel like that would be safe to have a 2021 launch rather than trying to force anything uh, in this in this year just because so much has happened. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for today. Uh, not much else, and you know, in terms of anything else, I kind of covered it all. Um, but you know, for those out there who still listen, thank you. I know. Uh, just a college kid talking about sports, but, uh, you know, this is my dream. So I thank you all who support me, all who listen, all those who follow, all those who get to this point of the episode. I do appreciate it. Uh, I spent a lot of time last night thinking about it and, uh, you know, I've got, I've got plans that I'm going to commit, continue to implement here, but all those who support me now, I appreciate you and you are noticed. So thank you. Go Mariners, go Seahawks, go Sounders, go Storm, go Kraken, go Huskies, and go Dragons. Have a good rest of your day. One last note. Actually, as I was recording this, uh, some several ever, uh, CFB stars, college football stars, uh, have wanted have uh, announced their want for a players union. This includes Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence and Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Uh, it reads, hashtag we are united and hashtag we want to play. It reads that we we want we all want to play football this season. They want to establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID nineteen among all conferences throughout the NCAA. Uh, the wants to give players the opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. Wants to guarantee eligibility whether a player chooses to play the season or not. 
wants to use our voices to establish open communications, trust between players and officials, ultimately create a college football players association and a representative for of all of players of all power five conferences. So that's, you know, pretty big kind of goes into what I was saying about player compensation. Uh, so it's definitely, certainly interesting uh, to see what the NCAA will do going forward. Uh, but for now, uh, to leave off on a note more related to the XFL, I will leave you with a Dwayne Johnson soundbite. If you're some 